Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong Style. Now, Tanahashi, a labored leap over the top, and he will look to take flight. Jay White slowly pulling himself up, slowly getting to his feet. Aces high, aces high. Wait a minute. Caught him out of midair. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Two. He has done it. You see that? You see that? We've got a new IWGP heavyweight champion. We've got a new era. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing the new beginning in Osaka, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly into your email inbox. This week's episode of Keeping It Strong Style is brought to you by Powerslam.tv. Powerslam.tv is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of independent pro wrestling from companies across the globe. Use the promo code SOCIALSUPLEX to get your free month of Powerslam.tv. Don't forget to check out our Pro Wrestling Tea Store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex to get you your Keeping a Strong Style shirts, your One Nation Radio, Ricky and Clive, your Social Suplex shirts. Check it out, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. Also want to give a quick shout out to Twitter uh, follower at Aaron underscore Puro. This guy's been a, a longtime listener of the show and I... Ran into him during the Ring of Honor, uh, Bound by Honor, Lakeland TV tapings this weekend. I was rocking my Keeping It Strong Style shirt, walking out during intermission. Some guy's like, hey, man, that's a great podcast. And I'm like, 
yeah, that's my podcast. He's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm Jeremy. And he's like, oh, okay. And I love the show. I've been listening to it a long time. So, yeah, it was pretty cool running into a, a listener at the Ring of Honor show. Bro, you're, you're such a freaking mark for yourself. Oh, dude. I am. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, dude. I, I'm a mark for myself. I know I am. Like, like walking around in public and being like, yo, check out my shirt. <laughs> this is my show. That's hilarious, man. Got to spread the good word. No, seriously, guys, like, think about it for a minute. We bring so much positivity and goodness into the radio waves, into your, you know, rides to work, you're, you're sitting there at the job, whatever it is that you do when you listen to this, we brighten that up, we, we enliven it, and we make things so much better. Not only do we bring you the best New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast in all of the internet, the Asa podcast, we partner with Powerslam.tv to give you a month of free independent wrestling viewing, and we have one of the cleanest designed t-shirts on all of ProWrestlingTees.com. And what is, how much is it? 20 bucks? Yeah, 19.99. It's not even 20 bucks. It's Plus shipping handling. You handle the shipping and handling. <laughs> <laughs> you handle the shipping and handling. But listen, at 19.99, that is a clean shirt. Jeremy's been sporting it. I've been getting jealous, bro. Like our the logo to our shirt to our show is Dude, yeah, it's shout wrong. out once again to Sir Mike Fergus. Mike Fergus. Who created the logo for, created all the social suplex logos. I'm sure he doesn't even listen to the show. Like, he never hears this, but shout out to him anyways. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, man, you're the, you're the man, Mike. But yeah, man, our shirts are awesome. If you're a fan of this show, you should support us. Grab a Keeping It Strong style shirt. Let the whole world know that you listen to the ace of podcasts. We're, guys, we're going to see you out there WrestleMania weekend in New York. We want to see people, you know, supporting the cause, supporting the show. And um, we might even have some stuff coming up that you might be able to want to definitely rock that out to. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's big, there is big, big news coming. We're not ready to... Uh, to to make any um, announcements. Official, yeah. But we got a little we're, timer we're. on our phones. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little timer on our phones. And it's counting down every oh day. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we got to cross some T's and dot some I's. But seriously, when, when, when I say there's something big coming, I literally... Dude, this think- is going to be potentially... This is going to be potentially the biggest thing to ever happen to Social Suplex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well... You guys signed me, and that pretty much was the biggest. Yeah, thing. I, I broke the bank uh, signing you to this to uh, keeping a strong style. But um, um but this will be second to that. <laughs> and uh, real quick, back on the shirts, you know, I met uh, the villain Marty Skrull this weekend at the Ring of Honor show, and he was a big fan of keeping a strong style shirt. Also, so what did he, what did he say? He's like, "It's a great shirt, mate. I really like it. it. Pops out, mate. I like that." So hey, if if the if the shirt's good enough for the villain, it's good enough for you guys. That that's a guy who I think knows a thing or two about selling a T-shirt. You know, yeah. know, knows something about having a good design in in, in the pro wrestling tees. Yeah, store. it's one of the best you know top sellers of pro wrestling tees. Um, and just real quick, you know, he he said that uh, I was talking to him. He said he, he likes uh, living in like b- likes being in Florida. And so in my head, I was like, hmm, I wonder if he means Orlando or Jacksonville. Jeremy was like, how do you feel about the Largo Loop, Marty? <laughs> How do you feel about doing a chicken wing in the Minrig Hall? <laughs> you and Kona Reeves. Minrig Hall is a great venue. I'm not even gonna lie; like, I love it there. It's it's better than all the other uh, Largo Loop spots we go to. <laughs> yeah, but all right, enough um, pushing ourselves and trying to get ourselves over. Enough talk about uh, Marty and T-shirts and Ring of Honor. I wanted to talk about weird stuff 
for a while, like 20 minutes more. Like, let's talk about our jobs. <laughs> let's talk about women. Let's talk about, I don't know, gambling, cutting the grass, you know, bathroom, weird bathroom, sex <laughs> stuff, whatever. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about everything but pro wrestling and, and not, like... You know, just tune people out from the show entirely. I'm not, I'm not sure if uh, that's going to get over, pal. Uh, <laughs> but let's uh, talk about what people came here for. The new beginning in Osaka review. That's what the people are here for. Listen, guys. Hold up, everybody. Shh. <laughs> I got to crack one open for my dog, Tanahashi. <laughs> Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style is... The cutthroat era. Yeah. Breathe with the switchblade. And so, you know, traditionally, we normally start our reviews um, from the opening match and work our way to the main event. But we just got done watching the show. Dedication. We are going to start with the main event. It's the freshest thing on our minds. And I think we're kind of excited to talk about this main event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, we got spoiled. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I forgot that... I knew that we were going to watch the show today, but, like, I forgot, like, to not look at my phone. And I wake up this morning, I'm like, dude, dude, dude. I wake up at, like, 6. So, I mean, the show had literally just ended. Crack open my phone, Instagram, first thing that pops up, there's Jay White holding up the <laughs> IWGP title. I'm like, dang it! Yeah, dude, I, I was doing a pretty good job. I was staying off of Reddit, staying off... Uh, uh, Wrestling Observer, Wrestling Inc., uh, Voice of the Wrestling. I was staying off of everything. And then one of my Twitter threads uh, shared something about Jay White. And then I got sucked into Twitter, uh, kind of wormhole. I saw Jay White was tr- uh, trending on Twitter. So at that point, I was like, oh, he probably won the belt. And then I went on Facebook, another wrestling group that I'm a part of. They posted something about, you know, shocking news in Japan. And then in the comment section, there was a picture of Jay White with the belt. You're part of a wrestling group that I'm not part of? Yeah, part of the uh, the club. It's uh, Floyd Johnson Jr.'s co-host of All Things Elite. He's a uh, that's his uh, Facebook group. Oh, gotcha. Um, I'm I'm glad for the invite. Gl- thanks, thanks, Floyd. It's open invite, man. It's- Whatever. No, <laughs> no it, it's the club. It's it's not open invite if it's a club. It, it's <laughs> private, and I'm I'm not part of the club. I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm an outsider. You know, you're, what I'm you're on the edge. I'm gonna have to like grab a some jeans and like a jean vest and be an outsider. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I had mixed feelings going into this match because I already knew that Jay White was winning, and I didn't know. I mean, a. I miss. I didn't predict this accurately. Obviously, you did. So you probably felt no. I did not. I went with Tanahashi. Did we go both go Tanahashi? We both went Tanahashi. Oh, uh, gotcha. I think because we were we were so focused on the MSG main event. I still am. And, and we were. I still am. I am too. I'm like but I'm shocked. I, but I think we kind of overlooked this match a little bit. I don't think so. I think we were at least uh, last week. If you remember, I was incredibly torn about this. I was mm-hmm. not super confident. Yeah, I wasn't super confident. Honestly, like. I was I'm like, not surprised that Jay White won. Yeah, there was a reason they had him beat Okada in the Dome. You know right. what I mean? And and we were like, is it, you know, that they're just trying to establish a new star? And evidently, that's exactly what happened here. Um, so these guys come out. I was a little surprised that Jay didn't come out in the all-white because it's a big big show. But maybe they didn't want to give away, you know, the, uh, the obvious outcome. Yeah. But Jay comes out. Um, you know, we got the, the, uh, Carnival of Champions or the Parade of Champions, which was great. And then Tanahashi came out. Luckily he's kind of fixed his hair. It's not looking as janky and as, uh, 
ragamuffin-y as it was the last few weeks, so that's good. Um, that kind of gave me some hope that he was going to retain here. And these guys proceeded to have what I would consider their best match by far. By far. I, um, and maybe I'm not in the majority there. I, I didn't love their King of Pro Wrestling match like a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. And I hated their G1 match. So, yeah. I mean, I haven't... And I, their Wrestle Kingdom match from, you know, last year was... Just, it, it was whatever. Um, which basically left me with three matches that were fine, but weren't like blow away, like, you know, and I wasn't super excited about this except for the intrigue of what, you know, just what's going to happen. But for the actual in-ring standpoint, I wasn't necessarily expecting blow away because I thought maybe these are just two guys who don't work well together, you know? Yeah. They they shattered that conception entirely. This match was great. Like, I thought this match was really, really, really good. Um, Jeremy, what, what what were you thinking here? And you know, take us through it. So, dude, so like you mentioned, we went to the match spoiled. Uh, we knew we knew the outcome, and then you know, uh, some of the social suplex guys they are messaging us throughout the day. You know, have you guys watched the match yet? What do you think about the match? And they kind of gave their opinions. We we, we have some, some some members. I won't say any names. Uh, from from the social suplex podcasting network, but we got some naysayers, some non-believers. Some of those who, uh, they, they don't like dusty old J.Y., you yeah. know what I'm <laughs> And so, you know, we get those messages, you know, oh, man, this main, this main event was weak. It, you know, it was barely four stars. We're getting all these messages. And so I'm like, all right. I'm sitting back. I'm like, all right. I, I don't think they said it was weak. To be, okay. To okay. Be fa- to be fair, what it's, that, I think what you're saying there is it sounded very inferred. It was like, I was like, what, what was the match rating? And they were like, four stars. But they were like begrudgedly because Tanahashi put in such a great performance. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, so this man basically you're saying this man like like wrestled wrestled by a doll himself, or something. Yeah, <laughs> wrestled by himself and, and brought brought this man to a, a four star match or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then started watching the match and I'm like throughout the whole thing. The I'm whole, like the whole thing was great, dude. I'm like I'm like I'm liking this match. This match is great. Yeah. Dude, there were there were so many sequences in there that I enjoyed. Um, Tanahashi, I like Tanahashi's early work with the uh, with the headlock sequences. Yes, and trying to get the early control. Yeah, and uh, you know both guys did a great job of selling the knee. You know, obviously going into this match, um, Jay White had targeted Tanahashi's knee on the Road Two shows. Yeah, got him to tap out with the TTO. Um, and so that was that was the focus. He was working on the knee in this match. During the beginning, Tanahashi did a great job playing defense and keeping um, Jay White off of his legs, and uh, he was able to work on Jay White's leg. Yeah, Jay, Jay tried to powder and kind of control the pace, pace and tempo of the match, but every time he tried to get something started, Tanahashi was, you know, being the ring general he is. But I think really what turned the tide was that Saito suplex to the outside. That was the first, like, holy crap moment of the match. Yeah. When he Saito'd him right over the, uh, the yeah. top rope. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, from there, that, that kind of turned things into, okay, the, the, the leg is exposed, the knee is exposed. And, uh, you know, Jay White was vicious from there, just, you know, hammering the leg, ramming it into the post, uh, throwing him onto the outside commentary table. Yeah, he did like a, um, a front suplex onto the commentary table. Tanahashi's knee hit the table. Uh, Very vicious stuff. Yeah, attacking the leg, you know, several dragon screws, and then just some, some other his great offense. I mean, his um, 
his uh, obviously the Saido suplexes, his flatliner German suplex combo, which is great. Love that. Um, he did a Death Valley driver that looked pretty great. Yeah, I, I thought Jay White had a lot of really innovative offense. Um, obviously, we've praised his Saito for a long time, but I mean, this guy was doing a lot of cool stuff and not not just doing stuff, but he was doing it in at the right times in the match. And it, it's it's not all him. I mean, you, you have to praise both guys. Tanahashi's selling was just incredible in this match, mm-hmm. um, raising the drama and, and making uh, Jay White look like a million bucks. Jay White had the perfect like snarkiness at, at the right times, just being kind of like a douche to him. Right? Is that this is all you got, Tana? Yeah. This is all you got, Tana? <laughs> yeah. Anyone anyone who, you know, I can understand when people say they don't like. Jay White or whatever, I get that, you know, and I'm not telling you you got to love him. I'm not saying he's the best wrestler in the world, but this guy gets his character. When people tell me he's swaggerless or tell me he's got no juice, no charisma, no charisma, I'm like, you're, not, I don't see what you're seeing. Yeah, clearly we watched uh, two different matches because I saw a guy here, two different performers. Yeah, I saw a guy here full of charisma, a guy that gets his character, a guy who knows how to generate heat uh, to get sympathy on a baby face. And to to get a baby face over, yeah, that's what I saw here. I liked. Uh, there was one point where um, Tanahashi was starting to regain control of the match, and he he attempted a sling blade, and Jay White just kind of sank down. Um, and when he sank down, it was like a playoff of what Kenny had done in the Okada series. Yeah, but he wasn't actually exhausted. It was just him being like a heel, <laughs> yeah. just kind of mimicking and mocking what he had done, mm-hmm. but also like being innovative and avoiding, you know, the. And then he like has kinda, this kind of laugh with like devious, like, ha ha, I outsmarted evil. you, Tana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love that. And I'm like, this guy's got so much, like, you know, he, he, they, they're helping him to lay out great matches now. Yeah. And of course, we had some traditional Tanahashi spots like the. High fly flow to the outside uh, was able to hit that. Um, there was a one point where he had uh, Jay White in the clover leaf, high angle clover leaf for a uh, near submission. Both guys had really close near submissions. The the high leaf uh, clover, the high angle clover leaf was great, especially at the end of that sequence when it turned into a uh, Styles clash. Mm, yeah, which yeah. was awesome. But White was also able to lock in the TTO, which we'd seen him uh, tap. Tanahashi out, which is where the move gets its namesake from. Yeah, Tanahashi tap out. Tanahashi was grabbing onto Red Shoes and so much pain. You know, Red Shoes right there, like, come on, Tanahashi, just give up, just give up. And and with Tanahashi tapping out to that move on this tour, as well as tapping out to uh, Zack Sabre during the New Japan Cup last year, and then also having that ref stoppage against Suzuki just one year ago, it kind of, you know, harkened back to that, and you know, for those of you who aren't aware, like Tanahashi doesn't have the greatest, uh, you know, the greatest luck when it comes to Osaka and the New Beginning. I, he he dropped uh, the title in 2012 to Okada. They did a great job uh, recapping that during the um, the pre-match presentation. Yeah, during the VTR. The VTR. But I believe he also dropped the belt to um, to AJ Styles at the New Beginning a few years back as well. And then, you know, when you look at his IC title run last year with Suzuki, it's like... And th- those all three of those matches were in Osaka, so... Yeah, um, yeah Osaka, not a, not a great city uh, for the ace. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were, they were commentating about, you know, a possible ref stoppage, and Tanahashi was just fighting through it. Um, eventually, though, we got an incredible series of 
sling blade counters like this one sequence where Jay just kept trying to put stuff together and like Tanahashi after and right before that Tanahashi had started killing him with dragon uh dragon screws dragon screws and then start hitting him with all the sling blades and it's it's amazing Tanahashi really can't do that much anymore and with what he can do he can get so much he maximizes everything that he does and can get so much out of it make and it, he, there's no wasted motion. He puts it right at the right time. Mm-hmm. Dude, uh, Jay White had a great near fall at one point in the match with the, his, his old finisher, the Kiwi Crusher. That Kiwi Crusher spot was awesome. Yeah, yeah, they they they, they did a lot of great stuff. Um, yeah, I I thought that this was every bit as good as most major, uh, you know, IWGP Heavyweight Championship matches on a B show that you see all year all year long. I mean. You compare this match to say like Kenny and Ishii from um, you know Destruction Tour last year, and it's right in that same range. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a match of the year candidate or anything of that nature, but it was a really really good contest. I'm seeing everything from four to four and a half online. It, it was probably, it, I mean, not probably. It it was the best match of this whole tour. It was the best match of the tour. Yeah, it was the best match of the night too. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, every, everything gets to a point where um, Tanahashi tries to pull ahead of, of White. Um, Tanahashi ends up getting the Styles Clash, as we mentioned. Um, after that, he tries for a Dragon Suplex, but he has to settle for a Sling Blade. When uh, White looks to counter into a Blade Runner, a second Sling Blade is followed for a Near Fall. Um, he, after that, Tanahashi hits Jay White with a Dragon Suplex for an incredibly close Near Fall. Um, Tanahashi was unable to hold the bridge and maintain it. So at this point, Tanahashi goes up for a high five flow crossbody, and out of nowhere, Jay White just catches it, sets him down, Blade Runner, and that is it. One, two, three, and we have, ladies and gentlemen, a new IWGP heavyweight champion. The IWGP championship. Jay White, uh, yeah, is crowned, and it, it's crazy, bro. Like, first off, it's like the way he's catching people into sling blades is like you mean the uh, the Blade Runner, the Blade Runner. Sorry, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's like the RKO out of nowhere, but it's kind of closer to but like it's so abrupt. You know what it reminds me? It's closer to like the Diamond Cutter. Mm. Like he can catch you in any position out of nowhere, and like yeah. you can't like you never know when it's gonna come, you know. Yeah. So it's not like Randy Orton just jumping out of nowhere, but it is closer to like DDP grabbing guys, setting them up, and then bang. Yeah, and that's what it feels like. And I'm like, oh my god, like I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't expect it, man. Like there were like 30 minutes, 30 minutes on the clock, and then suddenly Tanahashi's looking up at the lights right after like. Pretty much his best like string of offense during yeah. the whole match. Yeah, man, dude. Yeah, that Blade Runner man just came, dude. Just caught him, dude. Just caught him mid air and set him in the middle and dropped him, man. I- I'll tell you, I think that um, I think the predominant view is this is about four and a quarter. That's what most people are rating this. For mm-hmm. me, I enjoy this. I think a little bit more than that. I'm four so, and a half. Dude, I'm four and a half also, dude. I, I liked it a lot. I liked the match a lot. I, I popped several times uh, throughout the match. I thought they told a great story. Um, both guys work on the knee. Innovative offense from Jay White. Um, yeah, man. I, I like this match. Here, here's what I'll also say about it. Um, 
I still have reservations about Jay White being the champion. Uh, you actually had a great point where you said that this isn't the way you would have booked it. Yeah, I was saying, you know, I would have if it was if I was booking right now, I would have had Jay White win the Intercontinental title, and I would have done like a year of Jay White holding the IC, give him a nice long title reign with the IC, um, get some more experience wrestling some other guys, and just get him more used to kind of main eventing some B shows with that white strap and then uh, propel him into the heavyweight title match. See, and I think you're way off base. I think it was a good call to, uh, you know, put the title on a part-timer for six months and have it, you know, never, <laughs> never be defended. That, that was the way to go. So definitely off base with that one. But, no, um, I could totally see where you're coming from with that. But they, um, they had a goal from day one. They wanted to set this guy up as one of the pillars. Um you know, everyone's talking about, and we'll get into it, but we're, we're talking about guys leaving New Japan and guys not being long for the promotion. And, you know, this company has to set up and establish new stars. They have done that yeah. from day one since this and, man came into the company. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. I, I, you can't knock this. Like this, like the Jay White art, literally from the, his first appearance, has slowly been this build to him becoming... A main eventer in New Japan from the very first time when he came in at what was that uh, Power Struggle in yeah. November 2017 and challenging Tanahashi, all the way till now. This whole big arc, this whole push was great storytelling and a great gra- gradual build in developing a main event guy. Yeah, so uh, Jay White at 24, I think he's 24 years old. I think he's the fourth youngest uh, IWGP champion of all time. Um, his first title reign, uh, Tanahashi, um, loses the title in his first defense. Yeah. And, um, and another crazy thing, um, two years ago in Osaka was Jay White's last match as a young lion. Yeah, he mentioned that during the— Yeah, uh, during so the, it all comes full match. circle, returns to Osaka, no longer a young lion, but a main eventer and now the IWGP champion. I, I'm not like I said. I don't think this match was match of the year by no, any means. No, 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 no. But here's what I will say: what it accomplished for me is like you know one of the things that people have said about Jay White so many times is like, you know, can he wrestle to that standard, wrestle to that level, or whatever? And I've had my doubts about it too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and I love Tanahashi, and I wasn't necessarily sold on the idea. And I'm I'm not entirely still. But I wasn't sold on the idea of Jay White being the IWGP champion already. Mm-hmm. And this match was good enough and entertaining enough that when it, once it was over, I didn't sit there and second-guess the decision. Oh, yeah. I have, like, I'm not sitting here. Now, now that some of it is wearing off and I'm trying to book, maybe some of that's starting to creep in. But watching it, watching him get crowned, watching the moment and everything... There's nothing to me that 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 I thought that once I once we were spoiled, I thought that um, I was going to be disappointed and be sitting here being like, dang, they, <laughs> they took the title off the ace. But no, I didn't feel that way. Like I was in shock with how he beat him. And then I was like, wow, they, they really did this. And I mean, it's exciting stuff like it, it's it's something that is genuinely exciting to me. And I really thought this match was good. Yeah. You know, I think Jay White is really good at robbing New Japan fans, um, whether that be uh, Westerners internationally or you know the local fans. He does a great job of robbing the fans of their joys and their desires. 
you know, everybody wanted to see Okada win. Everybody wanted to see the ace prevail. And he just, he just stripped that, that hope and joy from the fans. And, you know, all the fans, they expect the, this high-octane, you know, crazy closing stretch. But he just hits a Blade Runner out of nowhere and ends the match. I'll tell you something. Um, I don't think that this is a perfect comparison. So anyone who hears me make this comparison, please don't shoot me. Because I'm not saying that these guys are the same caliber or anything. But probably my favorite wrestler of all time is Ric Flair. My favorite era of his career is the mid-80s when he was the NWA champion. Uh, The early to mid-80s, before Crockett took over. So when he was still touring. And what I love about those matches is that not always, but a majority of the time, what would happen is Rick would wrestle these long matches with these incredible babyface, you know, local heroes, the top guy in the in the uh, you know territory, and then Rick would freaking roll them up. Like everybody, we always think that you know everyone talks about how the figure four leg lock is Rick's you know finish. No, it, it's a small, it's a small, <laughs> small package. package. <laughs> it, it's a uh, it's it's a roll up from behind. Like those are the moves. It's a roll up from behind pulling school the, boy. a schoolboy pulling the trunks. Those are the those are Ric Flair's finishing moves. <laughs> and Rick would Rick would literally be getting killed, and then with like two minutes left on the clock, roll roll somebody up and then put him out. And that vibe, the the even though it's not exactly the same, in in principle, it's kind of the same idea. You've got the the hopes and the hype of everyone wanting to see this, you know this crappy like little heel get beat you know this 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 champion that they all know their their boy can beat and then he rolls somebody up and they're gone yeah and that's kind of the and then the deflation and like that's what makes a lot of those early rick flair those carry von eric matches those rick steamboat matches those dusty matches where you watch them and and you're like wow rick is really good that's kind of the same like similar vibe i get from like jay white when he catch it like he'll just catch a guy, and it's over. Yeah. And you're like, oh, like th- I like it because there's no setup. Yeah. Like you don't have to wait for him to. I mean, I, and I like a lot of moves where they're set set setups. I'm, you know, I like the remaker. I like the one winged angel. I'm not, you know, uh, critiquing that. But there's something to be said about like out of nowhere. And, <clears throat> you know what? This is gonna be great. This is gonna be great when somebody finally kicks out of the Blade Runner. Oh yeah, it's gonna happen eventually. Because that's gonna be because he's gonna hit the Blade Runner, and you're gonna, you think it's gonna be over, and somebody's gonna kick out of it, and it's gonna make that that match, whatever match it is in the future, so much more epic than it already is. Do we have questions about this? Oh match? yeah, we we got tons of questions about um, Jay White in this main event. Um, so we'll start with uh, Twitter user at uh, Axsife. He says, "Do you think it's too soon to put the belt on Jay White?" And what do you think of the main event of the G1 Supercard will be? Uh, it's been a while. I didn't ask you guys a question. Thanks, and we love you guys. So, um, do you think it's too soon to put the belt on Jay White? Um, well, I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I've had, those, I've had those thoughts, and then other times I've thought to myself, there have been times where I've thought they've done such a good job building this that no, this is the right time. And if, if they're going to do it, what better time to do it than now? But then there's other times where I thought maybe he's not ready. You know, I've gone back and forth. I'm not mm-hmm. definitive on that. I mean, what are your feelings? So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I kind of would have liked him to get a little bit more 
experience and you know maybe have an IC title or something like that just get a little bit more uh, seasoning as far as his in-ring work but you, you can't argue against the the development of his character and the storyline that was laid out literally from day one like we mentioned like the way he the way his story has unfolded and the way he's pushed uh, I think the timing is right I will say this though I don't disagree with you about the the IC title run but I kind of think the U.S. title facilitated that for him, mm. you know. And the other thing too is that from day one, he's been poised to be at the very, very top and very, very elite. I mean, one year ago, he beat Kenny Omega for the U.S. title, and sure, like the story called for it to kind of be like an a shock upset and kind of out of nowhere. But at the same time, I mean, they've never given us any indication that he's anything lower than a, than a main card guy since he got back right like then, or like like a main, like a, a top level guy yeah i mean his first program with tanahashi when he comes back right then you look at the g1 he beats okada and tanahashi in the g1 he beats okada at wrestle kingdom like i mean logistically like where else could you have gone with jay white after beating the ace of your company at the biggest show of the year now, now that we've said all that, as far as is it too soon to put the the belt on Jay White? Um, I think it's. I think that this is fine. I think that they've. I think, in a perfect world, could there be a better scenario where maybe you wait longer? Sure. Yeah. You know, possibly. I don't know, but um, I don't think it's necessarily a mistake. And if it is, you know, time will tell. With that being said, though, here's one drawback. So you asked us, you know, what do you think about the main event that the G1 Supercard will be? Um, I don't know for sure, but something leads me to feel like it won't be Jay White um, being in the main event now that he's the IWGP champion. Um, so are you thinking the uh, the IWGP championship won't be defended in MSG? I think it will be, but and it could be the main event, but the likelihood of it not main eventing is exponentially greater with him as the champion than it had been if, say, Tanahashi was champion. Because mm-hmm. Tanahashi's a proven draw, a proven star, a proven commodity. And where it might be too, quote-unquote, early for Jay White is, like, in the West. I know that Western fans know him and stuff, but, I mean, he's not, like, the mega... Unless I'm not in touch with the fan base, but I don't think for the average independent wrestling fan that they gravitate to this guy yet. I mean, this this, I, I, this match might go a long way into. I set, will I will say though, at, at the Ring of Honor tapings, I did see a lot of Switchblade shirts. Yeah, because his his merch is pretty dope. Like I I don't there's one Switchblade shirt that I really want, and I don't even really like wrestling shirts like that. And I don't even like, it, you know what? Another shirt that I like a lot is that Elias shirt from WWE, and mm. I and I hate Elias, <laughs> and like I don't want and I don't like wrestling shirts that much, but like I kind of want that Elias shirt. <laughs> I kind of so that's what I mean by like there's a switchblade shirt that I think is really dope and I'm kind of like uh, but now I'm like maybe I need to sport it like I, I might need to buy it now before it, it, they stop making it but, yeah um but what I mean by this is like if they wanted to run with like maybe a dream match instead of a, the title match at MSG they could mm-hmm. if they wanted to run with the Ring of Honor Championship because it is a co-branded event. Maybe they do that. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of New Japan fans, you know, our teeth are so sunken into this 
MSG show and we seem to forget about the Ring of Honor half of this show. There, there is going to be, whether you want it or not, there's going to be a strong Ring of Honor presence at this show. Uh, the Ring of Honor world title will be defended. And that's a good point you brought up. With, with Jay White as a champion, that could give um, Ring of Honor the leverage or the positioning they need to potentially have a, a Ring of Honor world title match in the main event or you set up some kind of dream match between a Ring of Honor guy and a New Japan guy. Now, I will say this, though. Supposing that the IWGP Championship headlines, I, I've been saying this for a little bit now, and I'm going to keep saying it, and I feel even firmer in it now. I think Okada's winning the uh, New, Japan, New Cup. Japan Cup, and I think that the main event will be Okada and Jay White. Yeah, well, that was our next question from Reddit user uh, Seth101793. He's asking, who does Jay White face at MSG in the main event? Um so yeah, you think it's Okada? I I, I mean that I think that makes um, perfect sense along with the, the storyline that's going on right now and the whole rivalry between Jay White, um, Okada, Chaos, and Bullet Club and Sekigun. I definitely think um, Okada getting another crack at Jay White, especially now he's the champion, makes sense for MSG. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we got a question here from Reddit user Jar of Peanuts. With how negatively some people are reacting about Jay's championship victory, I was wondering if people had similar reactions when Okada won seven years ago, given how similar the situations are. Um, yeah, so I would say... I do, are people reacting really negatively to this? Honestly, you know, I've, I've kind of been off oh, the internet. You're the wrong person to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was trying to stay off the internet today. Um, to, to avoid spoilers, even though I eventually did get spoiled. So honestly, I really haven't been able to um, get a consensus of what the you know larger you know internet community is really saying. I haven't been on Reddit at all. I have not listened to Super J Cast yet. I have not listened to uh, Rich Rich he put out a uh, instant reaction on the Patreon side of Voice of the Wrestling. Haven't heard that yet. I haven't. I'm coming into this straight with just what I've watched and just my opinion. Um, so yeah, I have no idea um, what the general consensus is. I mean, I know that there are a lot of negative um, reactions out there, um, just based on Jay White's previous reputation and just what people people just don't like Jay White. So I know there's a lot of Jay White hate out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not on the internet, so oh, I am, but I'm not on the. You know, I'm not on Twitter, so I don't really see what people are saying. So, but I will say this: Yes, uh, was there a negative reaction when Okada had beaten Tanahashi? Absolutely, there was. And I mean, you can do your own research. Uh, you know, a great resource for this is the um, uh, what's his name? Who ma the guy that makes the videos? Oh, um, wow! I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. I know why. Why do we do this? Like. Um, it's because I haven't seen anything from him in a while. Uh, wow. It's going to come to Showbuckle. Oh, yeah, Showbuckle. There we go. God, what's wrong? Wow. <laughs> yeah, the Showbuckle videos uh, detailing the history between Tanahashi and Okada are a great resource for that. But, I mean, you have to also imagine, though, I think that there's not a lot of similarities. If you want, if you want me to be honest, I don't think there's similarities at all. Okada and Tanahashi up to that point had had one match when Okada was a young lion in a showcase match, um, Okada came back and he looked awful in his Wrestle Kingdom match against uh, Yoshihashi. He was an unknown commodity. 
Um, and then it was it was shocking at the time, and people were very upset because Tanahashi was at the top of a, a le- like a ten match undefeated streak, you know, or defense streak, um, one of the longest title reigns in history, and he gets beat by this punk who they that no one thinks can really carry. Um, I think with Jay White, it's not the same at all. Jay White's a proven commodity. He's been here a year. Whether you like him or love him, everyone knows he can go. If you don't know that, then you're not actually following the product or you, you're just biased because, I mean, you don't have to love the guy. But, I mean, obviously he's a very good wrestler, you know, mm. obviously, especially with this match. So um, now anyone who, who wants to criticize him getting this you know title, earning this title victory too soon – you might have a point there, you know, him not being ready. You might have a point there. Like I'm not, I'm not telling anybody who has those viewpoints right. that they're wrong. They might be entirely right. And this might be a big misstep. Um, but one thing I, I will refuse to hear the argument that Jay White is a bad wrestler. He's not, he's, he's a great wrestler. You, we can, we can have a debate all day. Like you mentioned, whether or not he's ready to be world champion, whether or not he's ready to be a main eventer. Cause, <clears throat> Cause like many people, I do have my doubts also like, Maybe, you know, is he, maybe he's not quite ready to be in all of these main events this year. But at the end of the day, he's still a very good wrestler. I'll say this, though. You know, you want to compare this to another, like, to, okay, just like, we'll just throw it out there. Like, WWE very rarely will give a young guy a shot like this, you know what I mean? And build new stars. Like, it's, it's pretty, I mean, they do it every so often but mm-hmm. i mean it's pretty rare yeah whereas new japan like does have a track record of building new guys and sometimes it's out of necessity because people keep revolving out of the company um but they're good at it they're good at it and you know i can't i mean when was the last time like a, a really young guy got pushed in a year to win the belt in wwe at the main event level like this hmm I, I, it's been a long time, right? Yeah, it's been a hot minute. So, Jinder Mahal? Jinder was... <laughs> there, I, I, I have heard people comparing this to Jinder, and I don't think it's comparable oh, at all. No, what's no? that's that's ridiculous. Um, also, Jar Peanuts asked me that he's been watching 80s and 2000s New Japan. Uh, any Young Boy certified recommended matches? Um, yeah. Um... You know what? I'll, I'll throw this out there. I think that the match of the '80s is the 19. It's it. You you're gonna have to clear some time, clear some time. Give yourself about an hour or a little bit over an hour. But the uh, Hasey Goon versus the Ishing Gundan uh, Gauntlet match from 1984 is by far the greatest New Japan match of the '80s. It's maybe even to this day, in my opinion, a top ten New Japan match. If you want to get a feel for every single style of New Japan Pro Wrestling from the 80s, classic Inokiist wrestling, um, high-flying, you know, junior-style wrestling, technical wrestling, brawling, the shoot-style stuff, and, you know, their house-style main event level, like, strong-style wrestling, every single one of those styles is represented in this match in a way that is perfect. You gotta go out of your way to watch that match. If you've never seen it, it's uh, Choshu's Army against Inoki's Army and and Fujinami. 
do yourself a favor. Watch that match. And I'm sure, you know, as you, you've been working on, you know, your 80s project, and I'm sure eventually down the line we'll do some kind of special episode or something with all the, the research and work you've been doing. Yeah, eventually, eventually we'll get to something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question comes from Twitter user um, at 91ReasonsYouLose. In your opinions, how well do you see Jay White's IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign going? Do you see it being successful? Also, if White as champion, who do you guys predict we will see main event MSG now? Um, yeah, I think it's going great so far from what I've seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's carrying the belt with a lot of dignity. And uh, yeah, he, he's a great champion. Yeah, this uh, you know few hour title reign <laughs> has been one of the best few hour title reigns. Illustrious. <laughs> um, no, you know what? I, I I could see Jay White having a lengthy title reign. You know, you know all the reports and kind of rumors out there is that Jay White is being positioned in the in the way that Kenny Omega would have been, been positioned this year. Um, he's feeling in that, you know, top uh, Gaijin spot right now. And so, with him winning the title um, right off of Tanahashi, like you were mentioning earlier, they, they really don't do quick title changes often in New Japan. Well, we're going into the Dark Ages is what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, this is... The Bucks are gone, Cody's gone... You know, Kenny's gone. Worst of all, Hangman's gone. Yeah. And so we're spiraling. Any, so you're saying anything could happen? Or? No, I'm saying we, we have gone into a new era. It is the Reborn Dark Ages. And at this point, the title's going to change every month. It, we're, you know, it's going to go back to... It's going to change at a Row 2 show? Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change at Honor Rising. No, if, if you ever go back and look, like, in the early 2000s, there was a time where, like, the, the IWGP Championship was literally changing, like every other month like it, it was crazy so um it it is kind of if you think about it, it's kind of crazy to see the title change at wrestle kingdom and then at new beginning again like back to back like, yeah i can't remember the last time that happened it's been a while mm -hmm. so that does give pause to where you think to yourself are we gonna see him drop the title at msg because i mean he just won it. Yeah, I guess you know it all. It really all depends. It would be a lot of hot shotting, and they could do that. They mm -hmm. could, but it's a lot of hot shotting. It really all depends on who he's facing at MSG. Because I mean, because right now all signs are pointing towards potentially Okada being the guy to challenge him. And so, do you really want him beating Okada again? So, if you had to take a guess, just knowing the landscape of how, so we've got you know, MSG. In April, mm -hmm. then you got Dominion in July or June. Or June, yeah. So those are the next two like big opportunities. Then you've got the whole G one where no one's going to drop the title, whoever the champion is there. And then you've got you know the time between G one and Wrestle Kingdom. So I mean, what do you think the chances are we see him drop the title between now and Wrestle Kingdom? Like out of you know, a scale one hundred. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's very likely that he, he drops the belt before Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, I still think... Okay, the, so so you think he drops the title before Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah. Um, do you think he drops it between the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom? Or do you see him losing it earlier than that? 
I don't know. Maybe he loses it at Dominion. Okay. So what what what's the probability you think of him dropping the belt before the G one? Uh, like dude. if you if you had to like do it on a scale. Uh, I don't know. Um, I I would say there's pro. I would say like a seventy percent chance that he loses the belt um, before Wrestle Kingdom. No, not before. I'm, okay. No, we're we're talking about Dominion now. We're oh. talking about before the G one, because there's really only two big shows between yeah. now and and the G one. I'll still go. I still think yeah, seventy percent chance. Seventy percent chance. So you think he's you think that he's either going to have one successful defense. Or no successful defenses. Yeah. So basically, if that's the case, then he's pretty much, in a way, like a transitional guy. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, st- I, st- I, I still think they're going with the Okada-Naito match at the Dome. So you have to find a way to get to that match somehow. No, you're right. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm just thinking logically. Now, did last year, did, um, did Okada have a title defense at, at the New Japan Cup? Um... If he did, it's slipping my mind right now. I don't think he did. Yeah. So, I mean, he could defend it at the new, at, you know, there. But, um, yeah, I mean, this might just be a – based on what you're telling me, it sounds like you think it might just – this might just be a transitional title ring. Yeah. It's kind of weird to think about that because if you look lengthwise, I mean, he, he drops at Dominion. That's like, a, you know, a, a five, six-month title run, but not many defenses. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just think to myself, it's like, you know, you could say, well, if he loses in his first title defense or, you know, after just one title defense, it's not a strong run. And someone could rebuttal that and be like, well, look at the past. Look at him beating Okada. Look at him beating Tanahashi. It's kind of hard to put him over any stronger than that. Yeah. You know, unless you want to give him a really lengthy title reign, which would indicate that he pretty much need to be the champion going through the G1. Yeah. Um, So... But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that I think this could be. I think it's. I feel it is more likely that he will either drop the title at MSG or Dominion than it is that he'll carry it through the G one. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Reddit user WRPLA one hundred one. Um, with everybody having predictions on who White might face at MSG, does it matter? Because will he actually drop it anyway? Does it not seem unlikely that they switch the belt in consecutive matches after short reigns with no dispenses? So we pretty much just kind of um, talked about that if we've been reading the question. Um, like we mentioned, traditionally, in the past few years, New Japan does not usually do quick uh, title changes like this. But, you know, we're in a new era. Um, it's the Dark Ages. <laughs> we're going back to Anokiism, bro. This is it. <laughs> Kenny left. It's over. It's donezo. Get, bro. Get ready for like Thunderdome cage matches and empty <laughs> arenas because uh, we're going back to that. It's happening. But you know, with with Okada potentially being the guy to challenge Jay White, I, I have a hard time seeing Okada lose again to Jay White in a big match. Uh, it might not be Okada. That that that's that's the good point. It might not be Okada. There are a couple. It's another name that we'll talk about um, a little bit later. Um, who could be a strong favorite into winning this uh, New Japan Cup? Mm, Yano. Oh yeah, dude. Yano can pin anybody. <laughs> Yano versus Jay White. <laughs> no, the Konami Cage. That's what it was called. Did, did you ever know that they had Konami Cage matches in New Japan? No. Like Konami, like the video game yeah. company. Well, yeah, it was just 
because it was they were sponsored at one time by Konami. They had the Konami cage. Oh my gosh! It was just a regular cage. Actually, it was weird. It was like a a, a black cage that was on the outside. So it wasn't pressed up against the ring. It was on the outside. Like a hell in the cell? Sort of, but like closer in than that. Mm. And then it was bars, like black bars. But it was like not like shaky bars. They were like heavy. Like, like the, the blue? Like the blue bars. But they were they're heavy, like real mm. heavy. Um, they only did it twice. It was really it was weird. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. I don't think – I think it, it, it does seem unlikely that they would do consecutive uh, – you know, I don't know. It's hard for me because I keep betting against Jay White. Every time I think he's not going to do something yep. a certain way, they keep they keep pushing him and pushing him further and further. And um, who knows? May, I'm, even though I'm saying it's it might not be likely, he might have a lengthy title run. Yeah. Like, what did they put? What did they push him so hard for? You know. Right. Uh, yeah, dude. You that. know what it feels like? Hmm. It feels like they're gonna gauge and if he's like over now because of this then maybe they're like all right we're good he's established we can take the belt off of him and maybe they might be like he's not quite there yet let's give him a few more title defenses (laughs) let's give him a few more big wins yeah because they're like we're all in on this guy like he's here like he's this is what we're doing so yeah you know some people might even argue that this is roman reigns-esque oh wow uh next question comes from our boy rich he says, how do you feel about the end of blow-away IWGP title matches for the time being? <laughs> um, I thought that that was a really good IWGP title match. So did I. I mean, it wasn't 4.75, it wasn't 5, it wasn't 5.5, it wasn't 6, it wasn't 7. Um, but I've, There's I, no such thing as anything above a 5-star match, period. There's all, you can go beyond, Josh. You cannot go beyond. There's, there's always another limit. Uh, but uh, I thought I thought this was a very good title match, and you know there's hey hey let's not even do this. Rich, you're a hater. The match was great. <laughs> Jay White's better than you guys give him credit for. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question. Come. I love I love that he's not on the show, so he can't literally say anything back to me at all. <laughs> we'll, we'll hear it later in the uh, the message in the thread, uh, or he'll call us or something. Uh, Next question comes from uh, the implications from LLP at the damn Implicat on Twitter. Uh, a nice easy one for you with Jay White now as champion. Who's winning the New Japan Cup? Wow. Uh, yeah, everyone. I, I, there's so much interest in this. It's very interesting. But yeah, I, I think it's Okada. But I I thought it was going to be Okada regardless. I thought Okada and Tanahashi made sense. I think Okada and um, Jay White make sense. I think you can go other directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you have to go Kata. Um, but he he's a favorite in my mind. It from a story perspective, but you know what? Last year, remember, I kind of thought that Tanahashi made sense for the story reasons, and then they went the total opposite way and they held off mm-hmm. and did him the next month. Yeah, they could do that. They could hold off that Okada match till like say Dominion. Yeah, and give us something else at MSG. But I feel like American fans are expecting or hoping for a title change. And so then maybe that puts added pressure on them to do the Okada match. So um, I'm expecting Okada personally. That's my opinion. Yeah, we pretty much had the same question from Howard Schilling saying, with Naito as IC champion, Jay White with the big belt, who wins the New Japan Cup? And so, yeah, I mean, from a storyline purpose, I think Okada makes sense. 
there's somebody else that could potentially win it, and we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit. I mean, there. In all honesty, I mean, yes, there's another, uh, there's another name, but there's plenty of people who could hypothetically win it. I think. Yeah. I I mean I just say it because none of us thought Zack Saber was winning last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty much all the questions that uh, revolve around Jay White. Also, speaking of which, Naito was pressing very, very hard to be included in the uh, New Japan Cup. Maybe there's a possibility. I mean, we don't know yet, but it is a possibility that maybe they forego the whole other champions can't be in the tournament sort of deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because anyone who's in the tournament's going to cha- challenge for the IWGP title most likely anyways. So, I would like them to get rid of that and put Naito in the in the you know tournament. Yeah, that would be a, an interesting thing to do. Change it up a little bit. He said, in addition, who stands to gain the most from this new era heading into the G One later this year? Well, I mean, do we want to hold off that question till later? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I was going to hold off on that one. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll get back to it. We'll, we'll we'll circle back on this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, all right. So let's run down the uh, rest of this Osaka card. Um, so before that match, we had uh, Kazuchika Okada taking on uh, the rogue general of the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, accompanied by uh, Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi. This was the tiebreaker match. These guys have are three and three in singles matches prior to this, and um, yeah, you know what? Okada does it again. And when I say he does it again, you might be thinking he brings uh, Bad Luck Fale to a great match. No, that's not what I'm talking about. He got the crowd to pop for the shorts again. Dude, literally every appearance since after Wrestle Kingdom 13, the crowd pops every time they see the shorts. On the Road 2 shows, on the big shows, he pulls that little skirt thing off. And the crowd loses their mind when they see the shorts. Every time he pulls that skirt, I pop. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, you know, I thought this was a, uh, not that bad of a match. I mean. I, I thought it was better than not that bad. I think it was one of the better Bad Luck Folly Okada matches. It might even be. The best, the second best. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I liked the title defense that Okada had against had against him uh, during his previous title run. But um, you know, it's funny because this match didn't. T- to me, it started out really slow and it wasn't really all that great. And then it picked up out of nowhere. It picked up, and um, Okada was able to get so much out of Fale. And you know, that's the funny thing is people were talking about the Jay White and Tanahashi match, like. Like it was this big carry job or something, but I'll tell you what, this was a carry job. Oh yeah, dude. And, this... and, and I don't even want to just call it a carry job. Like I, something about Okada really brings it out of Fale, and like I almost feel a little bit like I have to eat crow because just last week I was severely criticized. Oh, me too. We were both burying Fale, and then he comes out here and he puts on like a really, really, really good match. Yeah. Well, uh, let's not get it twisted. I mean, this was kind of a smoke and mirrors match. Um, you, you had Utero and Chase kind of running around outside. But I thought uh, it all fit, and I thought it, yeah, it yeah. all added. Yeah, you know, um, they did some great kind of storytelling with the whole big man, small man kind of dynamic. They did the uh, Hulk-Andre spot from WrestleMania three, where Okada goes for the slam, but Fale uh, drops on top of him for the near fall. Um, yeah, and just Okada just did a great job pretty much just working around 
bad luck Fale and just getting Fale to do what he needed him to do to have a good match. And um, Okada hit an impressive, um, that that air raid crash neckbreaker thing he does. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so I mean, there were some impressive spots. That, that was something that, like, I literally, I couldn't believe he got him up for that safely. There's a lot of a lot of bumps that um, Fale took in this match that I was very nervous about. Um, that top rope turnbuckle uh, suplex. Oh yeah, dude. That yeah, dude. Um, Bad Luck Fale had his bumping shoes on tonight. Even just a like simple backdrop. Like, just with the way gravity and the, his size, I'm like, if he didn't get all the way over, this could, like, be last bump territory. Yeah. But, yeah, Folly was bumping in this match, which is probably what made it so good. <laughs> but um, it was it was really, really, really good. And finally, Okada caught him with the um, the discus Rainmaker and then, you know, hit him with the, the actual Rainmaker for the one, two, three. Uh, but before that, before the finish, uh, there was a spot where Red Shoes went down and... Um, Yujiro and Okada attacked, uh, or Yujiro and um, Chase attacked Okada, but then Yoshihashi, oh yeah, made the big run down the ramp oh, and yeah. successfully made it into the ring without busting his head to the white meat. I was literally sitting there watching this, thinking like they're gonna do this again for real. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a uh, question from Reddit user um, Eater of Bread. He said, given that Yoshihashi is now 1-1 one one in his rivalry with the entrance ramp, what is the most suitable stage for the rubber match? MSG, Dominion, or the Tokyo Dome? I think this should be one of those series that just never gets paid off. Do us a favor and never show me Yoshihashi sprinting to the ring ever <laughs> again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, you know, you know what would be a great place for us to have the blow-off? His new his new permanent home, Michinoku Pro. That's probably <laughs> that's probably where they should have that. Oh my gosh! Um, so yeah, and then you mentioned uh, Okada, Rainmaker. This man got the win and um, kind of killed the uh, potential of Bullet Club having a clean uh, sweep in this evening. That's another reason why it does seem like they're building up Okada again, re- kind of rehabbing him. Gave him a big win. Over the underboss, or what's he call himself now? The, the uh, rogue general. The rogue general. Looking like, he looks like a, you said he looked like a Dudley boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was looking like uh, Bubba Ray Fale tonight. <laughs> with those uh, red, white, red, white, black, and gray cargo, camo, camo yeah. pants. Yeah. Uh, Brother Fale. Yeah. A long lost Dudley from ECW. <laughs> Bad luck Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then prior to that, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, taking on Risuke Taguchi. And this was a very good matchup here. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the heck out of this. Like, I, I really, really liked this a lot. Um, we started off with Taguchi coming down to the ring, wearing green overalls, looking like a bad knockoff uh luigi but he's sitting there doing the three count dancing and he's got the headset and yeah just just being a a, a teen bop idol <laughs> like uh, of course he was uh trolling ishimori's uh previous gimmick uh was it the sailor boy yeah he was part of the sailor boys he yeah. was he was a, a teen idol uh gimmick and yeah so coming down there just poking fun at him and just completely mocking him. Really, really, really funny stuff. And then um, 
you know, once the match got started, though, these guys went out there. They had a heck of a match. Yeah, we got big match to Gucci. He had his working boots on tonight. Yeah. And, yeah, man, this was a, a great back-and-forth matchup um, with just the quickness and speed of Ishimori against kind of the uh, the, the antics of Taguchi. And um, Taguchi wisely, throughout this match, worked on the ankle of Ishimori. We know that um, Ishimori um, had injured his ankle earlier on last year, and then uh, throughout this new beginning tour, Taguchi was able to submit um, Ishimori with the ankle lock. So he, um, several points throughout the match, would work the ankle lock. Um, there was one point during the match he had a near submission with the ankle lock again. We saw a lot of like rolls and reversals from the ankle lock. Ishimori putting on his own ankle lock at one point. So good stuff there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge mark for um, those spots where someone is rolling and attempting for ankle locks. Like those those Kurt Angle spots have always, for whatever reason, like just gotten to me. And I, mm-hmm. you know, some of my favorite matches involve that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I thought that Taguchi was excellent in his role, just being relentless going after the ankle. I thought that um, Ishimori. Showed so many like dazzling displays of speed and viciousness. Um, I thought that these guys were really good uh, opponents for one another. Um, yeah, I I was surprised that I knew this match was going to be good, but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this match. And at one point, I was like, "This might be match of the night." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, it was almost every bit as good as the main event. Oh it, yeah. I feel like it did lack just slightly that small cachet of that mystique of the main event and you know the aura around it but Mm -hmm. bell to bell this was every bit as good in ring as the main event was it was a great match yeah i mean there was a great um near fall towards the end uh taguchi got him with the dodon yeah uh, and that was a a great near fall kicked out there then eventually ishimori came back hit uh double knees in the corner he followed up with the uh the ground zero which is like a um a attitude adjustment, like power slam kind of thing, uh, for a two count. Uh, then Taguchi came back with an Intaguri, went for the Dodon again. Ishimori countered with a bloody cross, um, and then he got the pinfall after that. Yeah, so after this match was over, um, Ishimori started to uh, kind of like taunt and call out Jushin Thunder Liger, who was at the commentary table. Uh, so Jushin Thunder Liger stands up and enters the ring, and um, he's challenged by Taiji Ishimori as Liger's 30th year in wrestling could, uh, you know, basically it's his 30th anniversary coming up. So he challenged him, um, you know, and told him basically, if you want this title, you can, you know, you know, you can come try and get it anytime you want. Yeah. So it looks like the next um, title. You know, uh, program is going to be between Ishimori and Liger. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Liger said to Ishimori, "You're going to regret calling me out." Uh, he said, "Anytime, any place." Um, hey, don't get me wrong; I'm all down for Liger getting you know one big match uh, throughout the year. But with Liger kind of being the next guy, I think this kind of um, just shows what state the junior division is in right now. That's my initial thought immediately was they're doing this because they don't have anybody else really ready to go mm-hmm. is exactly what I thought to myself. Yeah. And, the, and not that they couldn't call upon someone, but they, I think they don't want to throw something away. Right. They don't want to just beat somebody. Right. Well, they don't have to. Like, 
You can put, you know, Taguchi, he's a guy you can beat. Liger, somebody he can beat. Like, they could, tomorrow they could do Shingo and Ishimori, but that wouldn't make sense right. to do that now. So, I yeah, this kind of makes sense. Um, you know, we it's been a while since we... I mean, last year, I, I think I t- touched on this last week on the show, but, you know, last year we got the uh, Will Ospreay-Liger match in, in America, and then the year before that he had the big match with uh, Liger and Kushida for the title. So... That should be good, but that was kind of surprising to me. I didn't see that coming or expect it. I think I was thinking who's next for Ishimori, but mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be Liger. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But, you know, it makes sense the 30th year anniversary. Why didn't they go with Tiger Mask? That's what I really want to know. Because Tiger Mask is too busy uh, beating up on young boys. <laughs> Tiger Mask wants a one-on-one match with um, Imura or Suji. <laughs> so prior to uh, the match prior to this, and uh, before we go, any last thoughts on that? Uh, no. Great match. Yeah. Uh, those three matches kind of were the highlights of the night. Everything else prior to this was... Uh, they were pretty much the highlight of the whole tour. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we had a match that I was looking forward to. Uh, the most violent players taking on the Gorillas of Destiny. Um, and as soon as the MVPs uh, stepped out, the, uh, out of the curtain, we got a jump zone. Yeah, and you know... On Saturday, February 9th, there was a Row 2 show, and Tamatanga cracked. The good guy is no more. Um, he lost his mind on Saturday and went back to being a bad guy. He destroyed um, Yano and Makabe with the kendo stick um, on Saturday. And we saw pretty much the same thing um, at the end of this match here um, with um Tonga getting the the kendo stick and just kind of like going nuts after the match. Yeah, um, I thought that this match was n- really didn't deliver at all. Um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it sucked. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, I think the whole point of this match was just to get over the fact that uh, Tama Tonga's back to being vicious and will do whatever it takes. They they pretty much ran roughshod over the most violent players. I mean. Um, I don't really have a criticism, you know. I'm not saying that this was a bad thing to do or whatever. I'm not a good. Bo- I'm not a booker, anyways. Mm-hmm. I just know that I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I just yeah. know that while I was watching it, I was like, "This isn't very good." Yeah. Um. There was a point where like Tama was grabbing the camera, trying to cut these promos, but like sometimes he's a great talker, and sometimes he just says nonsense, and you don't know what where he's going with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I didn't think at any point that this was a coherent or good uh, tag team, you know, match, and that kind of sucks because the one thing I am always in favor of is them rejuvenating this uh, heavyweight tag team scene with viable, strong, you know, tag teams. And when you have a when you see a match like this, I mean, I get what they're doing. They're probably building up God for to be the next. Uh, Challengers going up against uh, Lij, but which oh god we're getting that match again. <laughs> uh, we're getting yep. that match again. Yep. Ah, uh, welcome to tag team booking in New Japan. F. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, it wasn't like this did anything to uh, entice me to want to watch tag team wrestling. So yeah. in in New Japan, so so yeah, Yana or um, Tamatanga. When the ref was down, he hit Yano with a kendo stick. Then he hit the gun stun and got the pin. Like I mentioned, after the match, he went nuts. He's hitting young boys with the kendo stick. 
he hits an announcer like right in the face with the kendo stick. It was one of the like timekeepers. Yeah. Uh, he he hit a cameraman. So he cameraman. He, he started pushed, hitting ringside security, he, like everybody. He pushed the cameraman off the entrance ramp, which that looked really bad. That was really crazy. Yeah. That, yeah. That was pretty. That was some uh, some Brody crap right there. Yeah. But uh, so we got that there, um, and then let's talk about this next segment, the segment that preceded this. Yeah, we had the return. Golden of, Star <laughs> of the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. Uh, he came out for a promo. He thanked the fans for their concern about his head and his neck. He said he's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's not going anywhere. And he announced that he's going to be in the New Japan Cup Tournament. Yeah, he said that he wanted to compete in New Japan in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And, like, he, he got super hyped. So, um... Very, very, very interesting because we'll talk about it in the news, but literally... Just this past weekend, there was rumors flying around and reports that it would not be but just a, you know, a short near possibility in the future that he'd be wrestling for AEW. Yeah. And um, we haven't, we did not break this news, but from what I've read online, uh, according to our good friends over at the Super J cast, uh, Joel um, had tweeted from their official twitter account that kota bushi is signed to a two-year deal with new japan pro wrestling which is very interesting because you know the story with abushi has always been um this man refuses to sign a contract just wants to be a freelancer and that's the reason why he's never pushed all the way to the top but now uh he has a two-year deal and we have a lot of questions about this uh first from our buddy well if it even is true or yeah. if it even is accurate information and i'm not saying that anyone would give bad information or anything like that um but i'm just waiting to see it's that to me sounds so outlandish like like you just said he's never signed before so i'm like what like when when we're sitting here and i read it for the first time and i said it to you you're like jaw dropped because i'm like did a, did they really sign abushi for two years like that's crazy bro yeah um what what are what 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 are the uh the listeners saying about so, this. So, uh, friend of the show, Zach Porter, he said, "What are your thoughts about Kota's intent of staying with the company for the foreseeable future?" Well, my thoughts are, give this man the strap. That's <laughs> what my thoughts are. Built this man up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's put some gold on this man, and while you're at it, put some more gold on this man. Let's make him look like Ultimo he, Dragon. Ultimo Dragon. Yes. He needs to be standing there, <laughs> standing there looking glorious. Heavyweight title, U.S. title, IC title, never title, never six-man title, tag title, junior title. Kotobushi's like, I want the gold. <laughs> Give, Give me, me the, the gold. gold. Where the gold at? <laughs> I'm going to uproot that tree. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, dude, I mean, I think it's a great thing that um, Kota is planning on being in New Japan for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, He's a great wrestler. He, I mean, he's just going to be a great asset for the company this year. And, you know, with all the rumors and talks of him joining Kenny in AEW, um, you know, I, I had no idea what Ibushi's schedule was going to look like, what he was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to try and get one of these deals we've been hearing similar to 
Omega and Jericho, where he would sign with AEW, but have the right, have the availability to go to New Japan. Well, that being said, we don't know what his deal allows him to do or not do. True. If there even is a deal. Yeah. Um, let's say there. Let's just for now. Let's suppose there is a deal. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys get to wrestle on the weekends at all sorts of places. What if hypothetically Kotobushi has a similar deal to? We'll talk about it, but other performers like Chris Jericho, where he is specifically allowed to control his own bookings outside of New Japan. I mean, yeah, it's. I wouldn't be surprised if that was some sort of uh, provision. Yeah. Are you, are you seeing something on Observer regarding this? Yeah, I just want to check in to see if there was any, um, if Dave had anything about uh, his contract here. Crack journalism taking <laughs> place right on the air. There, there was a tweet uh, sent out from Kenny Omega saying he wishes Abushi luck and wrote that he'll see him again one day. Yeah, I saw that. That I think that's interesting. I wonder, uh, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not seeing anything on uh, Observer about But But the contract. exciting thing about this is that Kotobushi will be competing in the New Japan Cup. Uh, he he did compete in the New Japan Cup and was knocked out um, in this, I believe, the second round last year by Zack Saber Jr. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was one of the bet, like you know, one of the two, two or three best matches of that entire tournament last year. Really, really, really great match. And um, he has won the New Japan Cup previously. I think back in 2015, 2014. I think. Yeah, 2014? 2015. 15? It, it, was, yeah. it was after Wrestle Kingdom 9. Um, and, yeah, and he got that title shot against AJ Styles at Invasion Attack. So he's won this tournament before. And with him signing a deal, there is every possibility that he might be somebody who's capable of headlining MS Madison Square Garden against yeah. uh, the IWGP champion. So, yeah, so two more questions about uh, Coda. One from our boy Muzza, he says, uh, with Ibushi signing a contract, could he possibly be coming IWGP Heavyweight Champion? I hope so. I, yeah. I, I Kota is one of my favorite wrestlers out there, and um, I think this has always been one of the things in this company that has held him back. Yeah. And him showing them that if it's true that he signed a contract, which I'm sure it probably is, mm-hmm. then yeah, I mean, he should win the title. Yeah, I mean, the the contract situation has been the, the main thing that's held him back, like he said. So now that he's locked down, I mean, why not push this man to the moon? Um, he's, he's still pretty young, um, you know. I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's had his injury, so get him while he's hot and healthy and push this man. Uh, next question comes from uh, Twitter user uh, Kevin Crawford. He says, if Kota wins the New Japan Cup, do you see him challenging Osprey to get revenge or challenging Jay White to main event MSG? Wouldn't that be such a Kota Ibushi thing to do? Dude, when I read that que- <laughs> when I read this question earlier, I was like, that would be so Kota Ibushi. Oh my god! To they win better the, not do that. To win the New, J- New Japan Cup and be like Jay White. No, no, no. I want Will Osprey. I want the Never Belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what that never title will mean? You're never winning the IWGP title, Kota Ibushi. Don't do stay far, far, far away. Um, no, I don't. I think that would be terrible if they did that. That wouldn't. That'd be a, a step backwards for everybody involved. I think we all need to just move on and coronate the king, the new king of strong style, Kota Ibushi. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, that's it for the questions on Abushi. So um, before the Abushi promo, we had the Bullet Club team of Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens defeating uh, Yoshihashi and Tomioka Hanma. What a war! <laughs> Fight forever. <laughs> it's the guys. Sometimes what? we'll go to like uh, we'll go to indie shows and people will like chant that kind of stuff, but like at matches that are like that don't deserve it. Most matches don't deserve it, but real some matches that like they'll be chanting at stuff that I remember one time we were at a show, me and Rich, it was a NXT house show and the main event was Lars Sullivan against Velveteen Dream. <laughs> and like people were chanting this is awesome and I, I was just being a troll because it was so bad. Like the match was not awesome. It wasn't even good. And while they were doing that, I go, Fight forever <laughs> And like they stopped. Yeah. <laughs> because that's such a ridiculous... Like, I, I just had to... It's gotten to the point now where crowds, they just want to chant Fight Forever. This is awesome. Both these guys, like... They just want to chant this stuff even though it's, like, it's not worthy of chanting. Yeah. And, and like, they, they weren't so battled. Oh my God, it's okay. Like, not every match you can get a this awesome chant from. I like... I like... Like, Madison Square Garden pops from the 80s. Like, Bob Backlund wins a cage match and the crowd goes crazy. They're not chanting anything. They're just loud. Yeah. I like that. Or I like, like, Puerto Rico. Or they stab people? Well, no, not that. (laughs) (laughs) Carlos Colon wins, like, a bloody bull rope match. Man, that crowd goes crazy. You don't don't get that anymore, man. Yeah. I love that stuff. But, um, yeah, this match was a match. Uh, Anything else? Yeah, <laughs> this match was a match. It happened. Yeah, um, um, I mean, our boys uh, Chase Owens gets a big win with the package power driver. Ch- Chase has been getting a lot of wins. He's, They've been making him look strong. He said before the match he wants to uh, break Hunma's neck. He he almost nearly did. And he worked on Hunma's neck the whole match and hits this nasty uh, package power driver. Uh, so yeah, so um, Owens neutral. They've been picking up uh, quite a few wins um, throughout this tour. Yeah. So then uh, prior to that, we had uh, Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Shingo Takagi defeating the team of Taishi, Kanamaru, and El Desperado. So this was sort of the remnants of what was left over of the uh, big feud between these uh, three, you know, these three-man teams. Um, you know, Naito and Taichi, and then LIJ and uh, Suzuki Goon in the junior division. Uh, this was fine. I mean, we got a lot. I mean, if you watched any of their matches on this uh, tour, you kind of know what you were getting here. Um, the, the main thing is LIJ is just such a cohesive unit when they work together. And, I mean, especially the new wrinkle in their game, having Shingo, he's like a secret weapon, and he's just so yeah. vicious. So much of these um, LIJ multi-man matches that feature Shingo have been all about getting Shingo over. Yeah. Um, he's he, he always ends up being the star and looking the best. Do you think it's about getting him over or the fact that he's just such a compelling competitor that or, like, performer that uh, maybe it's not even... I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, like, maybe the matches aren't designed that way. Maybe he's just that good that they can't avoid him being, like, showcased. True, yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to get my stuff in. <laughs> I'm going to pump bomber you. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's freaking <laughs> awesome. Eat this last of the dragon. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and and so basically, um, we pretty much got you know a, a pumping bomber from uh, Shingo, 
a Destino from Naito, and we got the W on Kanemaru. It was a pretty decent match, but no, you know nothing that was mind-blowing or that was different from what we'd seen on this tour. Uh, but this was pretty much the tail end of the feud that we've seen between these guys. I think that it, the issue between Suzuki Goon and um, and uh, Lij Lij is is done, done, done. But what was really interesting was after the match, we had an appearance from Sho and Yo. Yeah, so they came out on the ramp and they attacked uh, Shingo and Bushi, and they. Jump zone. Yeah, jump zone. We got zone. two jump zones on this <laughs> they, show. They pulled the tag belts away from them and ran down to the ring. Um, and Yo cut a promo um, and announced that Rapungi 3K, the next challengers for the IWGP Junior Tag t- uh, Titles. Fujin and Raijin, baby. <laughs> and eventually, uh, Bushi and Chingo got back to the ring and, you know, they had a little exchange. And so it looks like this is going to be official for whenever the next tour is going to be at some point. We're well, we've been building to this uh, to this for a while, you know, especially the stuff with Sho and um, Shingo. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Although it was uh, Osaka was really booing Sho and Yo. Yeah. They, they got a lot of heel heat. Yeah, they did not like them attacking Lij whatsoever. Yeah. Um, got a question here from Reddit user WRPLA101. With the best of the Super Junior Finals being such a big venue this year, will they book through the tournament to build a mass first mass match between Bushi and Despy for the undercard? Would this kind of attraction help uh, draw in addition to the final match itself? That's a great. That's a great idea. I know that they've. Um, we didn't really touch on it here, but we mentioned it last week. But yes, you're right. Um, they continue to mention it on commentary, and it continued to be a major component of the matches between these guys. All the way, this match that we just mentioned, as well as the match that they had, uh, you know, a few nights ago on the road to New Beginning. So, um, could they hypothetically save that and do that for, as part of the uh, best Super Juniors? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. That that might be exactly what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to hurt. Why not? I mean, it could be a great little addition to the tournament. Yeah, well, what he, what he's saying is like you know once the tournament's over, you do it as part of the finals. Yeah, the final night. Yeah, that would be yeah that would be a, I think that's a really smart idea. Yeah. you should be booking, man. <laughs> Ghetto, call this man up. Uh, and then one one more question about um, Naito here from Muzza. He says, "Who do you see challenging Naito for the IC title?" Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, at this point, yeah, it's. I, I really can't think of who would be next. Um, maybe do you, do, you, do you go back to Zack Sabre Jr.? That's like the first name that popped into my head as well. But I'm hoping that they do something different and just kind of get away from that entirely. Mm. I just don't know who's next. Like, they haven't teased anything. They haven't had him involved with anybody. And I think we're waiting to see what happens with the New Japan Cup. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. Um, um, and then a question yeah, from uh, from Jai Bryan. He said, "What's next for Suzuki Goon? They're at rock bottom." And Tai Chi put out a tweet that said, "It's time for him." Why are you reading Tai Chi's tweets? Like he's done. <laughs> this guy's a jobber. He's just a guy now. Um, no, they're not at rock bottom. I mean, this is kind of what happens with them. They're never at the top. They're never at the bottom. They're they're an upper mid card heel faction mm-hmm. um, in this company specifically. So, I mean, what's next for them is they're going to terrorize some people and win some belts. That's what's next for them. Yeah. 
Um, so that brings us to the the match prior. We had Lij, it's Evil and Sonata defeating the team of Shota Umino and Yato Yoshido. Yeah, I think uh, Yato Yoshida and Umino uh, earned this uh, this honor by picking up a, a great win on the road to New Beginning by defeating Yota Suji. <laughs> yeah, Suji and uh, Tenzon in a tag match. Uh, Umino busted out his uh, fisherman uh, suplex once again and got the pin on Suji. And so as a reward for that, they're like, you have to face the most accomplished tag team in all of New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> have at it, young boy. Have at it, young boys. Um, so yeah, um, this was fine. Uh, nothing bad here, but you know, it's kind of what you'd expect. Uh, Evil and Sonata kind of took it easy. Um, while the Young Lions worked really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And we got, you know, your standard three-star match. And, I mean... It, yeah, nice, nice little gentleman's three. They hit Umino with the Magic Killer, and Sonata gets the pinfall. And then to open the show, Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki, Takashi Isaka, and Takamichinoku taking on the team of Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, and Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, with Takashi Isaka retiring in about ten days' time, thank God. Yes. Cannot. Everyone's talking about you know this this countdown clock on Kenny's watch. I'm talking about this countdown clock on Isaka's career. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's the real countdown clock yeah. I'm worried about. Let's get this man out of here. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, this match wasn't great. And Tenzon comes out and he's wearing a T-shirt from the Dark Ages. Uh, commemor- commemorating his former team with Takashi Isaka, throwback, throwback Thursday, throwback <laughs> Monday. Um, but yeah, basically this match started with a hilarious jump start where Isaka uh, put the boots to Tenzon, and it was so funny. Like he like barely put the boots to him, but yeah, it was really funny. But the match wasn't wasn't anything special. I mean, it was. Yeah, they came out to the end where Suzuki was getting ready to hit Tenzon with a chair. But Iska stopped him, and the crowd popped, thinking that Iska was gonna save his friend. But Iska turned around and hit Tenzon with the chair. Um, nah, I want to put him down. <laughs> yeah, so that, that got the DQ. And um, after the bell, Iska gave the iron glove on Tenzon and Liger, and they, uh, him and Suzuki, ripped up the the shirt. Yep. So that is the complete review of the new beginning in Osaka. And, uh, you know, Jeremy, what were your thoughts overall? Overall, I thought this was probably the the best show out of this new beginning tour this year. I'd agree. This had the best matches. Um, it was a great way to end this long tour. Um, so, I mean, over, overall, the tour was just kind of fine. The Sapporo shows and some of the Road 2 shows, I mean, it's a lot of either repeated matches or just, you know, kind of fine. Nothing really the, too much to hook you. I mean, there was some great kind of like story development and kind of building to the Osaka matches. But overall, I mean, this tour was not blow away. Yeah. You want to know something weird? Um, while I really enjoyed some of the storylines and while I enjoyed some of the character developments and, you know, title changes and the top matches were, were excellent. I kind of overall enjoyed Fantascomania as a tour better than this tour when it came to in-ring action. Yeah. And that's not normal for me when it comes to New Beginning. I generally like New Beginning more because it's you know more canon than New Be- than Fantascomania is, but 
yeah, this year things were just a little, a little, 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 little bit off. And yeah. um, you know, I understand there's you know a lot of upheaval, a lot of change that's taken place. A new beginning isn't ever necessarily like a blowaway tour to begin with. It's always that kind of in between time and. Things really don't start to ramp up until, say, like New Japan Cup, anyways. Mm-hmm. But this was a more disappointing New Beginning tour than the last two or three years. So, yeah. um, very, very interesting stuff. I thought that this was a good show, but again, not a great show. The only thing that saved it was those top three matches. Yeah. Without those top three matches being as good as they are, and they're very good, uh, this would be a nothing show. Yeah, this would have been almost like a Rotu show. Less than that. Like, yeah. It was nothing. Yeah. It was nothing. But, yeah, the the top three matches, Ishimori and Taguchi, really great. Fale and Okada was better than it had any right to be. And then uh, Jay White and Tanahashi was just excellent. Just excellent stuff. Um, yeah, and screw you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Dust, uh, dusty old rich ladder. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's uh, circle back to um, Howard's question. Rich ladder, you can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <coughs> heat. There's heat, pal. Uh. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, let's circle back to Howard's question. He said. Um, who stands to gain the most from this uh, new era heading to G1 later this year? The fans. <laughs> um, no, you know, I think it's the, the people that stand to earn the most are people who typically would not be moved into a, a more prominent role due to those roles already be take, being taken up by people who have left. So, you know, I think one name that just comes to mind immediately for me is, like, a Juice Robinson. Like, that's someone who, going into the G1, has a shot to, like, really be propelled into superstardom, given the the new trajectory and the new landscape of the company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Juice, yeah, definitely. Especially with guys like um, Beretta out out of there and Omega, a lot of the Gaijins that are kind of gone. Um, it's definitely a, a great time for Juice and to for Obvi- obviously Will Osprey mm, yeah. is another one. Yeah, uh, Zack Saber Jr. Kota Ibushi, believe it or not, if you mm. think about it, Kota Ibushi is a guy who's always kind of been seen like just outside those top level guys, and now with some of those top level guys gone and him signing and the the company changing, he might be shot right to the top like immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's someone who stands to gain a lot from this situation. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of guys. The, the, Ishii. Ishii is someone who, de- well, I don't know, he feels like he's being left out in the cold. Where, where well, was he? Because remember, he was supposed to be in the New Beginning in USA tour. That's right, that's right. So they, they left him off the Japan tour, though there was nothing for him. So, I mean, I think he'll have a strong New Japan Cup performance like he always does. Um, they should have just built the walls, what they should have done. <laughs> left my New Japan Cup. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Ishii, I, I mean, he got a world title shot last year. Dude, I could see Ishii beating Will Ospreay for the Never title. I could see him winning the IC title at some point this year. You think Will Ospreay would ever beat Ishii? What world is, is Will Ospreay beating Ishii? I said Ishii beat Will Ospreay, not Ospreay beating Ishii. Right, but you said you could see him beating him? Yeah. 
as if like that's one possibility. That's the only <laughs> possibility. Will Ospreay is never beating Ishii. Hey. No, no, no. Will Ospreay is never beating Ishii. That that's one of those things that should never, ever, 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 ever happen. Unless he roll, unless it's a roll up, he should never be sitting there doing the freaking off with his head or beheader or whatever he calls it. I, Will Ospreay cannot brutalize Ishii. Ishii is like a monster, and Will Ospreay is Will Ospreay. Come on. All right. No, no, no. <laughs> That's one of those things where it's like, I know it can happen because it's wrestling, but the moment I see that, I might even just be like, I'm out because this is not real anymore. Like, <laughs> there's, o- there's only so much I can take when it comes to this sort of stuff. Come on. Let's get real here. It's Ishii. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, a lot of guys are gonna have um, can step up this year and have uh, great opportunities. Absolutely. Um, I had some last minute questions flying in here on the Reddit. Uh, oh man, they're flying in. Uh, no, it is crazy. We had so many. We just took. We just opened up the questions like a couple hours ago. It's actually a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? We kind of talked about this already, but he said, "Who does Jay drop the belt to, Naito or Okada?" Um, I think Okada. Yeah, Okada makes the most sense. They have been holding off on the Naito match, and that is a possibility. That is a real possibility. And you yeah. know what? In America, that might make more sense. Naito's, like, really over over here, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, then we had some questions here from Dom Homie 101 He said, with Kenny's uh, New Japan run kind of being over for the moment, where does Kenny rank among the greatest Gaijin wrestlers in uh, NJPW, and what will Kenny's legacy be? Whew, that is a tough question. Um, hmm, what do you think? I mean, I think he he will go down as one of the you know greatest Gaijins in New Japan pro wrestling history. Uh, I think his legacy will mainly revolve around the Okada matches, um, you know, and, you know, kind of breaking the star scale and just how incredible all those matches were and the uh, the two out of three fall match at Dominion. So um, his G1 performances, I mean, yeah, man, he's going to go, he's going to go down as literally one of the best bout machines of New Japan. Yeah, I mean... Kenny is the only Gaijin to have ever won the uh, the G1 Climax. He is the only Gaijin to have headlined uh, Wrestle Kingdom or any January 4th Tokyo Dome show on two occasions at all. Uh, did he do that back-to-back? No, he didn't. No. Even still, like two, just doing it twice in general, huge deal. Um, you know, the business that he did in his big Tokyo Dome matches with Okada, with Chris Jericho, and then with Tanahashi, that kind of three to four year run, I think from a business standpoint, I can't think of too many Gaijins that ever had sustained prolonged success in New Japan like Kenny. Um, so when you think about business, when you think about legacy, you got to put him up there with, you know, your top Gaijins. And, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, he's got to be up there with Big Van Vader. Oh, yeah. He's got to be up there with, uh, you know, like your Brodies. Um, 
I mean, if you think on the All Japan side of things, I think the Funks might have had a longer period of success. But Kenny has been successful and, and instituted in Japan going back to the DDT days. We're talking about over a decade. We're yeah. like 12, 15, 12, 13 years, something like that. Um, not only that, but like changing the work rate style for for the heavyweights, changing the perception of gaijins in 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 New Japan, broadening their fan base, not just from like a like drawing buildings, but also drawing eyes to the product, mm-hmm. drawing um, attention to them. There is a very compelling and strong argument that you could make that Kenny Omega is is the single greatest gaijin performer and maybe most successful performer in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. The one kind of knock is that he never really did ever have a very successful title reign. Yeah. He never had, like, he always wanted to be the ace and he never really was the ace. You know what I mean? Like, even when he held the title, it kind of felt like he wasn't the main focal point of the company at at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know that any Gaijin really ever has been. So it's it's sort of like Kenny's gotten closer to the mark than anybody else ever really has. So that's the one. But the thing is, I feel like if Kenny had stayed, that was in that was like right that was available for him. Like if Kenny stayed and Kenny wanted to continue to work in New Japan and and he could have continue he could have just stayed in Japan and been made and just done tokyo dome after tokyo dome after tokyo dome yeah, like that he yeah. could have easily done that mm-hmm. so it's it, it's at this point it kind of feels like a question of what like what what it, what could it have been if he'd stayed is what it sort of mm-hmm. feels like and we don't know he might come back we don't know what what's next but um i think right now his legacy quote unquote is kind of secure i think that one wrinkle is kind of like the one wrinkle against it is like he never was like the true ace <laughs> And with how talented he was and how successful he was, it seemed like that's where he, what he should have been. Even though he's a gaijin. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, that's what I think anyways. Um, then another question from Dom Homie. He wants to know, where does Tanahashi go after losing the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? Home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab an, the episode from last year. After he lost to Suzuki, and I'm just gonna grab some sound clips and I'm just gonna insert them right here, talking about this man has no knees, this man has a torn <laughs> bicep. It's time for him to go home. It's time for him to rest. Get some up, rest. Get some rest. Come back. Take time off, please, <laughs> please, Ace. Um, oh man, no, I, I really, I really don't know what's next for him. But I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he enters the New Japan Cup. I won't be surprised if he enters the New Japan Cup either, but he should not really be it. I think he should just take some time. Well, New Japan Cup's not till March. He can take the rest of February off. Yeah, take take February, take March off. <laughs> like take some time off. Just come back for MSU. Yeah, come back for come back for the garden, man. I mean I mean what kind of really compelling story are you gonna tell us about Tanahashi between now and then? Like not that not that every story has to be super compelling, but I don't know, man. I mean, 
he seems like I don't know if he's just an incredible worker or what, but like maybe he does need to take some time off. Like he's been r- working a really hard style, yeah, you know, for a while. So. All right, well, that wraps it up for the questions. Thanks for everybody who sent in questions this week. Um, so let's jump into the news. Yes, and Young Boy is bringing the news to you once again. I want to give a shout-out to Jeremy for the past few weeks, and it's been longer than the past few weeks. probably been, like, past couple months. <laughs> uh, Jeremy's kind of been, like, pulling double duty and, like, collecting the news and also doing a lot of the other things to the show. Um, so I figured I'd help him out and kind of alleviate some of that load. So, um, yeah, the news coming from the young boy Brought once to again. You by the young boy. So uh, I know that we have another show. If you haven't checked it out yet, check out All Things Elite on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, our newest show covering all things elite, as the name suggests. Um, and they're they're doing a great job going really in-depth talking about, uh, you know, what's AWE? Ollie Russell, AEW, but we got some news. Um, so I know we're not going to be talking about them too much, but this stuff is pretty relevant. So this past Thursday, AEW had their Double or Nothing rally in Las Vegas. Uh, Jeremy was in here waiting with bated breath, like a, like a kid on you know Christmas morning, waiting to open up his presents. He was super excited. Yes, sir. Just marking out. Yes, sir. But, um, yeah, so they had the Double or Nothing rally. They made a bunch of new signings, a bunch of new, uh, you know, announcements. They announced the dates for the big show. But um, some of the stuff that I thought was relevant that we need to touch on. So um, along with that rally, they released a bunch of pre-ticket codes, right? Pre-sale codes, yeah. Pre-sale codes. And how many did they get back? Like, like the the requests were like yeah, at, incredible. As of Thursday, after the code re- the the option was released, I think they had like twelve thousand or something like that requests. And, and they're in the MGM Grand, so yeah. it's like they're they're only doing like what seventeen thousand tickets, fourteen. I think they scaled it for fourteen. Yeah, so it's like they had enough pre-sales to where it's like, oh wow, this thing's gonna sell out. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the tickets went on sale today. The show sold out in 26 minutes, um, you know, and this show does look like a heck of a show. Um, best friends have been signed, a uh, bunch of other talents. Aja Kong was announced for, for you know, to be part of the show. The Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers made an appearance. Um, they officially signed Pac and Hangman Page. It looks like an incredible show. But one of the things that was... Obviously, every it's been building for a while. We've been wondering and wondering, and it was it was made official. Kenny Omega has been signed with All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, so you know everybody was kind of wondering where Kenny is going. Is he going to WWE? Is he going to stay with New Japan? Is he going to sign with AEW? And he he signs here with AEW. He's also it's also revealed that he is um, the fourth executive vice president. So him, Cody, and the Bucks are all executive VPs. Um, he did a interview uh, with Wrestling Observer Radio after the press conference with Dave Meltzer and uh, Garrett Gonzalez, and kind of talking about the whole decision process and um, all he went through in making his mind up. And the one of the key highlights that he mentioned in that interview is his contract. His contract is set up where he can uh, take New Japan dates, but like he said, just because um, the, it's uh, the option is there doesn't mean that New Japan is going to take it. So pretty much it's really up to kind of, it's like the ball's kind of in New Japan's court right now. 
if they want to use Kenny in the future, but the option is there. So the the interesting thing with all this, I'm going to jump back just a bit. Uh, when Kenny was doing his uh, speech and his announcement, you hear the music come on and immediately Chris Jericho comes out, makes a beeline to the podium. No words, you know, no, 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 you know, anything just... Decks him in the face. He just he's just like run it, and he he's with the smoke, hundred percent. They start brawling. Kenny steals his hat, his fedora, and that that pretty much seals it. That the one of the main major matches, maybe the main event of Double or Nothing, Kenny versus uh, Alpha versus Omega Two in Las Vegas. I did say a while back, not on this show, but privately that I was like if I if I was doing that show that's what I would run as my main event and I think from a business standpoint it makes a lot of sense and mm-hmm. obviously they sold the show out very very quickly so um, that makes sense um, but one other thing that they uh, the Kenny the Kenny interview that you were mentioning with Dave Meltzer if you guys haven't listened to it I would highly recommend listening to that uh, Kenny touched on a lot of very interesting things. Yeah, the whole build-up with this Tanahashi match. He talked about, you know, he was just kind of, he was doing his job of kind of being a heel and, you know, saying mean things about Tanahashi on purpose and how the fans were, like, taking it so personally and, like, attacking him. And Well, he did, uh, did kind of peel the curtain back a bit. And, you know, if you guys don't like to hear the backstage stuff, you know, maybe tune out this part. But... He said that the original plan, had he stayed, would have been for him to beat Tanahashi. And take this with a grain of salt, because it's coming from Kenny. I, I'm not saying that Kenny's a liar, but, you know, all wrestlers like to put themselves over. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a carny business. But mm-hmm. according to Kenny, Kenny was going to go over Tanahashi, and then he was going to hold the title all the way to Madison Square Garden and lose it to... Okada. Okada. Which is interesting, because I've been saying, I, th- I think Okada's going to the Garden in the main event. Before I ever heard this. Yeah. But that would kind of, if, if I am correct, and if we are correct in what we think, then this even kind of lends itself to that even more. Now, that does kind of piss me off, though, to think that we've got tickets for this show. And we could have gotten... And we could have got Okada Omega. you got me <laughs> freaking kidding me. <laughs> but anyways, so um, that's what he was... But he said that once it was kind of like a known thing that he was leaving New Japan for sure, there's no point in making it a face versus face deal. It's like, or, you know, this guy's the face. He needs to be the heel. Right. He like, he wants to leave the company with the hero. Yeah. With the hero. So that, that made a lot of sense from that standpoint. He talked about, um, you know, his relationship with the Bushi. He also talked during the interview about what the fact that Abushi would hypothetically be working with AEW, not too near off in the near yeah, future. Yeah, he's like, I expect to see expect to see Kota Bushi soon in AEW. I gotta I gotta assume though that he probably. I mean, that was just a couple days before this uh, appearance, so like that's what I'm thinking. Like when he was saying, like we didn't see Kota Bushi immediately at any of these press conferences mm-hmm. and stuff. I think that they are probably trying to work out the kinks to where Coda can come work for them, and that maybe that's why he was saying expect in the near future. Maybe yeah. not. He was like not double or nothing, but in the in the future. Right. That's probably what he's talking about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny talked about some other things too. He talked about um, the offers he got from WWE. You know, for there are fans that we and friends of ours and fans that we have who you know always say like 
like, oh, don't listen to Dave Meltzer. He's a shill. <laughs> you know, I, I won't believe it until I hear it from the horse's mouth. But, you know, I'd say about 80 to 85 percent of the time, the guy's pretty accurate. He uh, everything that he did say about Kenny's um, contract negotiations with WWE and what they're offering him was corroborated by Kenny Omega from the horse's mouth. So a lot of people were kind of wondering about what he was being offered. And pretty much everything Dave said was happening is exactly what Kenny said on the air. Mm -hmm. But Kenny pretty much said that he knew he was leaving New Japan. New Japan was like his third option. Like he was yeah. not staying. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting stuff. He does, like Jeremy said, he's got the option to work dates in New Japan, but they have to basically work that out with him. I think New Japan does want him, but I, I think at this point it's going to be a matter of him and New Japan sitting down ironing things out. Right. I mean, if I'm Harold May and Gato, I'm trying to get Kenny locked in for the G1 this year. I, I was surprised because, like I said last week, from a business standpoint, I think it makes more sense to keep Kenny exclusive and, and use him as a bargaining chip. But from what the guys at all things elite are kind of been saying they're trying very hard to make their company friendly for the wrestler so that they can perform other places and not make it ex like exclusive or mm -hmm. uh you know exclude them from being able to work in other places things like that what how long that will last or if that's realistic i don't know and uh you know another thing kenny was saying in that interview uh, talking about um you know people wrestling other places and companies and partnerships he was kind of saying you know AEW is right. open to working with everybody and trying to connect everybody together and he was saying the way wrestling is moving it's like either you get along or you get left behind I think in theory that's what they would like it to be I don't know if that I don't know if business really lends itself to that that's an that's a great ideal mm -hmm. but money is at, money's the main thing at the end of the day so yeah. I don't know if that's true if it's going to really work out that way but speaking of partnerships, AEW did announce that they have an official partnership with AAA, which for those of you who are fans of New Japan, you probably are, you're listening to this podcast, that would seem to indicate that the idea of AEW and New Japan working together is now further apart than it may have been just a few weeks ago. Um, I don't think, now, there are people who are saying that, oh, they're working with AAA, it is done. Like, New Japan and AEW are done. And I don't know if I feel that way just yet. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the reason why it would be considered done is because uh, New Japan partners with CMLL. You know, the guys you saw during the Fantastica Mania tour. Um, and CMLL and AAA are big rivals in Mexico. And they do not get along. If you remember on this show, we talked about um, last year's WrestleCon. It was supposed to be the Golden Lovers against um, the Lucha Brothers, but they put the Knicks on that match because they did not want New Japan talent working with AAA talent. Um, so that goes to show you how serious that kind of that hatred is right there. Well, that's true, but at the same time, things have really... And this is not an indication that everyone's going to be kumbaya and work together, but... Um, you know, with everything that happened with uh, L.A. Park this past year, as well as Phoenix and, and Pentagon, yeah. and then being able to work simultaneously for AAA as well as CMLL, which is something that most people thought could never, ever, ever happen. Um, Ray Phoenix holding the, the AAA Mega Heavyweight Championship and then competing and also losing in matches in CMLL just seemed like an impossibility. But 
money was the the main thing that made that happen. LA Park selling out Arena Mexico and popping, you know, their business for them is what led them to to softening their stance on guys working for one another. Right. Um so with that being the case, I think if AEW is the kind of success that it's poised and looking like it may hypothetically be, then who knows? You know, who knows? I mean, it is not necessarily still impossible that even though AAA guys are there, that New Japan could hypothetically work with AEW. I mean, just look. AAA and CMLL are, are using similar freelance talent on their cards. So, I mean, yeah. Um, but, but the final thing about AEW here that we'll talk about, everyone from All Things Elite um, who were signed with New Japan, who are now signed with... All, AEW, their profiles have all been removed from New Japan Pro Wrestling's website. So that's the Bucks, that's Cody, that's Kenny Omega, that's Hangman, that's S. Well, I don't. Yeah, SCU. They were also yeah, they were on there. Best friends. They're <clears throat> all gone. Very interesting. Uh, in other news outside of AEW, so um, Marty Skrull is going to be challenging for the NWA World Worlds. Heavyweight Championship at the Crockett Cup in April, on April 27th. Yeah, I was at the Ring of Honor TV tapings where they uh, set this angle up. Um, Originally, Nick Aldis was trying to get Marty to be his partner for the Crockett Cup tournament. But um, Marty said, yes, I do want to be in the ring with you, but I want to be facing off against you for that NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So the match is official. Marty Skrull versus Nick Aldis, Crockett Cup, April 27th. For the NWA title, they will also they also announced that New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as CMLL will be providing teams to compete in the New in the uh, NWA Crockett Cup, which will also be sponsored by Ring of Honor as well as the Billy Corgan's NWA. So you've got four different promotions um, offering up talent, guys. If you don't know, I'm if nothing but an 80s wrestling lover, and the Crockett Cup is near and dear to my heart. It may hypothetically be my favorite wrestling um, tournament of all time. One of my all-time favorite matches, Ric Flair versus Barry Windham from um, Baltimore, Maryland, the Crockett Cup, 87. Yes, 87. If you've never seen that match, go out of your way to watch it. Um, There's a clipped version that made home television that's pretty good, but you can actually watch a fan cam version of it that is in perfect, pristine uh, condition the whole way through. It's about a 45-minute match, and if you've, if you, it's Barry Windham and Ric Flair in their primes. It's the best match they ever had together, I promise you. Five stars. It's my match of the year for 1987. Better than Flair Steamboat. It, wow. Better than War Games. You give me a match from 87, it's better than that match. So you definitely want to check it out. Also, if you get a chance, check out the the Turner Home Broadcasting um, commercial for the Crockett Cup from 1986. It like starts off and it's like, we offered $1 million <laughs> to the meanest, <laughs> toughest, roughest men in America. And then we locked them into hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> the Crockett Cup, 1986. Over two hours of hot wrestling action. <laughs> you know, uh, Dave Lagana, he was on uh, Xbox podcast last week kind of talking about the Crockett Cup. And 
You know, he said this is going to be an old school uh, vibe to this show. There's going to be no LED board or something like that. It's going to be set up like an old school show. So that may, might be right up your alley. Yes, absolutely. It definitely, definitely is right up my alley. Um, <laughs> also, Mayu Iwatani won the Women of Honor title this past weekend, uh, defeating Kelly Klein. Yeah, I mean, that was big. Yeah, that was a big surprise. I mean, I thought they were just bringing Atawi in just to kind of get Kelly Klein over and give her a defense. But, yeah, they had the surprise win there at the Miami show um, yesterday. And, yeah, Mayu Iwatani, new champ. Yep. Um, there were also rumors that uh, popped, which also, by the way, before we move on, it looks like with her winning the title, she'll probably be set to uh, defend that belt in April Yeah. at Madison Square Garden. So that kind of sets that up. Maybe a rematch? I don't know. Hmm. Um, maybe they set up her and Tennille Dashwood. That's probably what they should do. Yeah. Or to bring in another Joshi girl and have an epic match. I would do her and Tennille. That's what I would do. Um NXT Japan rumors uh, are afloat. So there was reports that came out this past week that um, representatives from WWE and NXT were uh, sent out to Japan this past week to reach out to various different independent companies to um, kind of gauge interest in uh, creating talent like relations and working relationships with independent companies. So this is exactly what they did in England with progress with I, ICW and um, and what's the other company um, those are the two big ones yeah those, those are the main ones yeah and uh, yeah I think um, they've already signed a lot of great Japanese talent over the past few years you know the rumor that Kushida's headed that way you know they've got Io Shirai they've you know uh, got uh Asuka and Kairi Sane. Sane and Shinsuke Nakamura and you know they just recently lost Kenta but they had him up until you know just the other week so you know they've been um, looking toward and they they already run a handful of, of dates in Japan anyways as it is and I think that this is one of the next markets that they're probably looking to get into so um, let's keep our eyes and ears on, <laughs> yeah. on the NXT yeah. Japan rumors yeah. yeah we'll keep you updated on that this Friday, CMLL is running the finals of their uh, Universal um, Championship Tournament. Uh, it's going to be El Terrible taking on uh, Niebla Roja in the finals, uh, which normally that tournament's fine. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 